Hey guys, it's Ari Savia and you're listening to the All Blacks Podcast. All right, welcome to another episode of the All Blacks Podcast. I'm JP Tocker and with me is Andy Burt. And today we have a real special dude. Um, it's This is not This Is Your Life, Israel Dad, but this is a, a celebration of what a fantastic career he's had. And um, in part, I think you probably join me, Andy, and just want to say thank you very much for, for entertaining us for so many years. Absolutely. Thanks for the memories, Israel. Yeah, cheers, guys. Um, yeah, oh, it's, it's pretty surreal, to be honest. Like, it's, it's all over. And um, yeah, but... um. I had a great, I had some great memories and some great times in, in the black jersey and the Crusaders, Highlanders, Hawks Bay jersey. So, um, yeah, I've uh, just, it's, it's been crazy. Like last week, ever since I've announced it on Friday, it's just been, uh, you know, a lot of memories coming back, a lot of people saying thanks and, you know, like yourself. So I was like, I guess when you're playing, you forget what you're doing. So it's, it's been awesome to kind of remember those memories and reminisce. Hey, Izzy, mate, the first question I have to ask you is, is it true that you've retired uh, to pursue a career in cricket after your performance at the Black Clash earlier this year? <laughs> uh, no, no. To be honest, I, uh, the Black Clash was good, but then I actually went down and played the New Zealand um, Golf Open and we played against some young guys from the Otago area and I got pumped for about 30 off one off my first over. So it brought me back down to reality. (laughs) (laughs) I won't be chasing that career, I'll tell you that. (laughs) The LB shout on uh, Flem was looking pretty good though, wasn't it? Yeah, Flem, he's a a good man, good good mate of mine. And um, yeah, he said I broke his toe, but um, (laughs) it was absolutely plum. But old Flem went to the umpires before and said, look, no LBs. in this game, gentlemen's agreements. Uh, that would have been the only wicket too, which would have been an awesome wicket to tell the kids. Yeah, no, you've got to give uh, Flem a free pass there, eh? Yeah, well, he's pretty much set up the whole game, so, you know. Hey, mate, tell us a bit about your decision to retire. Um, obviously, injury-enforced, you would have been keen to um, continue playing, right? Oh, 100%. Oh, especially with this year and um, with the World Cup. Um, but yeah, I just had to make that decision. Uh, from completely honest, these last two years have been a struggle for me mentally, more more mentally and physically. Like just knowing that every day I had to get up and play for the best teams in the world and perform at a high level, and knowing I couldn't because my knee was absolutely killing me, it was so sore. Every day I was like chasing my tail, trying to keep on top of it. My knee would swell. I couldn't even walk or get off the couch some days and it was just yeah unbearable so at the end of the day it was an easy decision to make but it was a tough one mentally and, and you, know, you know you never want to give up the game but um, going forward and, and to you know do the best thing for me and for the team and, and my career and, and for the Crusaders All Blacks and whoever I'm playing for it was the best decision for me to make and uh, hang up hang up the boots. Mm-hmm. Mate, just in terms of what you're doing now with the Crusaders, can you explain to us your role? Because we've seen on the sideline, carrying water, and you, you have mentioned that you're still going to stay involved. Oh, mate, I love that team, and I love what they've given me for the last eight years. So I'm just giving back, really. Um, we've got a, a group of young... We've got some amazing talent in the team that are, that are still quite young and still learning. So for me, I've been around for a while now, and they tend to remind me about that. Um, it's just giving back, really. So got some young guys, I can just give them a few tips, a bit of advice. Like, you know, some of them remind me of me, pretty casual, just play what they see, instincts, players. So really, I just, I'm there just as a support network. Uh, also, guys that have been injured for long term, you got Manasa Mateli, who's uh, just been injured. So I've had a few, few injuries in my time, and it's just keeping them positive and just helping them through that little transition journey. Um, but basically, I'm just giving back to, to the guys, to the younger generation, because, you know, I, I was in that situation back in the day when I was that young guy. So it's awesome when you can get a guy that's been around for a while just to help you and, uh, you know, stay in the right direction. When you talk about that younger generation at the Crusaders, mate, it's um, embarrassment of riches there, are eh? You're looking Will Jordan, Ivo um, <laughs> Reese. Uh, George Pratt, yeah. uh, Edo. it's pretty incredible with the production line, eh? Oh, unbelievable. I'm actually quite ha- happy my knees buggy because I don't even know if I'd get a run. <laughs> It'll be, um, yeah, it's pretty, 
pretty disgusting to be honest. But nah, um, the boys are awesome. Like that's the thing. The, the guys, one guy can play this week, another guy comes slot straight back in, and you wouldn't even know he's gone. So yeah, we're very lucky with the Crusaders. But I think that's all down to the environment as well because yeah, I don't know. Like the guys come here, they want to learn. They just get amongst it, and it's just that competitive environment that we've got going. That's that's awesome, and it's great to see these young guys just going out there and, and taking the opportunity. And especially Severus, you know, Severus, he's had some negative media talked about him in the last year or so, and you know, for him just to come here and just uh, knuckle down, get into it, show what he's worth is unbelievable. Like now, I'm so happy for him, and he's he's got a big future in the game. Mate, we'll, uh, we'll kick back. <clears throat> so growing up, obviously, from the Hawke's Bay and uh, went to yep. Lindsay's Farm. Mate, um, what were some of your earlier memories playing footy? Oh, man, I've got some, some great memories. Oh, just, you know, through intermediate, I was playing for, for a team called Tamatia Ariki Nui. And, like, you know, we'd just, I'd just roll up after training and just, you know, playing footy on Saturdays train twice a week, play on Saturday, and just having fun. Like, there was no video analysis. There was no gym. There was just playing with enjoyment, just going out, having fun, playing what you see, following your instincts. And I think that's, that's the biggest thing I took from high school is, is um, you can do all this analysis. You can do everything you need to, to plan for the, for the game. But I think your instincts are 100% what you should follow. 99% of the time, your, your first instinct is going to be correct. So... Um, I just remember playing with my mates, having fun, but like, especially high school, uh, Lindisfarne College, we weren't the best rugby school in the world or in New Zealand, you know, like we, but we played, I played with some guys that love playing footy with each other, just mates, and um, you know, we, we enjoyed playing the Saturday at 2.30, but it was it was the enjoyment after the game that I really loved, just connecting with the brothers and um, having some fun. And mate, growing up um, as a rugby fan, I guess who were the kind of players that you idolised as a as a youngster and looked up to? Oh, that's the question I get asked all the time. But you know, you can't go past a guy like Kelly, Christian Kelly. I was with him on the weekend, and he probably doesn't know, but he is my idol. And um, you know, just watching him tear tear teams to bits and um, just do what he does. Also, you got Tamu Umanga. I remember um, I was in Havelock. Staying at one of my mates' house, and um, he was actually friends with them. And he was in the outhouse, and I stayed there. And, oh man, it was the most nervous I've ever been meeting Tanu Umanga. So like, just guys like that, just were legends, and still are legends of the game. And um, yeah, just just kind of those guys. Yeah. And at what point, mate, in your rugby journey, I guess, did you realise, hey, look, I can, I'm actually pretty decent at this. I could, you know, I could make a living out of this. <laughs> oh. To be honest, I don't. I didn't think that for a long time. I, like I think people at, at high school were telling me, "Yeah, you're you're pretty good," and like you know. But I just didn't believe it. You know, here's a little kid from Hawks Bay, and I was like, ah, "Why me?" You know, there's so many people in New Zealand that are playing footy, and then you see all these kids that are unreal at these amazing schools, and you know the the Auckland schools, the Hastings boys. You know, the schools that are absolutely amazing at rugby. They're first with them too well, so. I don't know. It wasn't until seven for my guess when I um when I got my first contract for Hawks Bay and started making some teams and I guess I just started believing then and and then I thought you know I started just gradually progressing in the rugby ranks and and making making certain teams and and then you just gain confidence from that. Um, but did I ever think that I would have done what I've done? No, not in my wildest dreams. Like. I just, I just like said, by me, a little kid from Hawke's Bay, living in a dead end street. How does it happen to me? You know, like so. I'm very grateful, mate. When you're growing up, obviously you're pretty good at cricket too. But um, was there a point where you actually had to make a decision uh, between rugby and cricket? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, student form my last year, uh, I was, I was pretty much seventy percent going to play cricket. To be honest, like I um. Bought, what made my decision was I bowled against Australia in, in Napier McLean Park and um, Brett Lee got, you know, he, he started talking to me about my cricket career and he said, mate, you got a big opportunity to do well in cricket. And like hearing that from the best bowler in the world, the fastest bowler in the world, I was like, oh my God, I'm going to play cricket now. Um, so I was 100, yeah, 70% um, going to go play cricket. 
put my 100% time into that. And then the rugby season came along and I made Hawke's Bay Magpies. They were in the first division and got a contract. My first contract, hadn't had any, haven't had any money, so I was like, sweet, made my decision and I played rugby. <laughs> any, any regrets? Like, do, do you think now with the IPL and some of these other things, the ability to make some rather large purses of, of dollars? Nah. nah? Yeah. Nah, no regrets, but like, uh, yeah, I just I don't have any regrets, and I've, I like I said before, I'm just absolutely blown away of what's happened. So you know, I'll, I'll just you know, I thought yeah, IPL would be fun, but man, I'm I'm absolutely pumped and and excited and and grateful for what's happened. So now nah, I've got no regrets, but cricketers don't really have banter quite like rugby players, do they? <laughs> nah, they don't have. Nah, well, some of them do. Nah, they actually do, mate. Like, I was playing New Zealand cricket. Ah, oh, New Zealand golf open with Steve and Bears. Yeah, a few cricketers, and they are absolute. Well, I've those mate. They're absolute lads, eh? They're good men. <laughs> what about? Did you grow up? Was Jesse, Jesse Wright was similar age to you in Hawke's Bay? <laughs> Jesse. Yeah, yeah, I grew up. Oh, he was a bit. He was a little bit older than me, but um, oh, I kind of knew him a little bit. If I see him on the street, I'll say good day. But yeah, I don't really. Um, you know, connect with him too well. Oh, you know, very often. Yeah. Mm. And mate, um, I think we've got a lot of fans around the world, you know, that'll be listening to this and they probably recognise you as obviously as an All Black and a Crusader, but just tell us what it means to you to have played for Hawks Bay and to pull on that uh, Magpies jersey as well. Oh, mate, it means everything to me. It's, um, it's where my journey started and, you know, they were the the other team and the union that gave me my opportunity to fulfil my dreams and um, you know just for them to pick a, a young school kid give me all the tools and necessities to, to know what I want to do in life I've got a lot of time for Hawke's Bay and you know there was never an option of going to another union uh, even though I'm down in Christchurch ever coming down, down and playing for Canterbury like hell no I'm uh, Hawke's Bay through and through so um, yeah just got a lot of time and and yeah, got a lot of time for for the Magpies and the Hawks Bay Rugby Union, and you know I'll be oh obviously I'm based in Christchurch now, and this is pretty much home. But when I get back home to Hawks Bay, I'll I'll pop down from McLean Park offices and go in and and show face and just say uh, thanks very much for for giving me that opportunity. Yeah. Mate, uh, now that you're I guess you're well you're retired so to speak, you still got some things to do. <laughs> How has the morning routine changed and has uh, the missus gone, you know what, it's your turn to step up? <laughs> Mate, I've got my son right next to me trying to hand me a book to read him, but the, the, the mornings have changed for, yeah, for, uh, for the good, I should say. Like they're, they're beautiful kids and you know, it definitely changes. Like There's those, those mornings when me and the wife used to sleep until 10 o'clock on the day off and out till 12 o'clock watching Netflix those are long gone um, but we've got a pretty good setup. like the, the wife will get up one morning and I'll, I'll have a sleep in and then the next morning I'll get up and do the kids and um, you know and we've got an awesome family member that's living with us Softy that's uh, she helps us with the kids as well so she's awesome and um, that has changed I guess now I've retired but I'm not going to stop doing nothing I'm not going to do nothing so um the wife's like, my turn, my career now, you stay home with the kids and I'll go out and sit out like, nah, hell no, I'm not stopping. So, but it's, it's awesome. It's definitely changed. The, the mornings, uh, you get up a lot earlier. Mm. And mate, looking at your, I guess, um, what you get up to outside of rugby, you mentioned um, Netflix. Like, what, what is on your Netflix watch list, mate, when you do get a chance to <laughs> Oh, to be honest, just whatever we want to, like, whatever's going at the moment. To be honest, like, we haven't watched much lately, like, you get to bed and it's like, oh well, I'm tired. Good night. So, <laughs> um, but Game of Thrones is back soon, so I think I'll be getting into that when that's coming back. Um, we watched, we just watched some movies, but like watched Black Panther last night. But just chip away. Um, I guess when the kids are here, like as soon as they go down, we're knackered, so we just go straight yeah. to sleep. But play lots of golf. Play lots of golf. Like my household. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we see you playing a fair bit of golf. You go, you going all right? Um, going all right. Like it's a frustrating game, but um, oh, I absolutely love it. Hey, golf is is my my go to now. Like, um, oh, I've been playing a bit too much. The wife's getting fed up with me like three times a week. But 
I love it. Eh? It's just it's just my game. And and I was just um, messaging Michael Campbell before, and he's oh. he's invited me to the Masters next year. So oh, I'm gonna go along. I've already got the I've already got the guys yeah. to hit for the Masters. So I'm pumped. Awesome. What's your course in uh, Christchurch, mate? I'm I'm at Pegasus Pegasus, Pegasus. in Christchurch, so. It's probably it's a bit like the Masters, I think. Yeah, nice and nice, nice course. <laughs> Mate, how'd you go against Kelly? Because he he must be he's in like single digits, right? Mate, he's a great golfer. He's I think he's off like a two or three. And yeah. I was, I did obviously I've been doing a bit of pre-game shows with Sky, and he was there last last week in the in high hurricanes. So I spoke to him. He just plays golf every day. You know, he's he set himself up pretty well. So he just chips away and bloody awesome. Love it. I think the rest of his life gets in the way of his golf career, to be honest, <laughs> at the sound of it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Mate, travelling around the world, you must have played at some pretty good courses, right? What's the kind of best course you've played at around the world? Oh, mate, there's, there's some amazing courses. Um, I can't think. What have, what have I played? Mate, Scotland's got some amazing courses. Uh, I played at, at Celtic Manor. That's where they had the 2010 run... Ryder Cup. Yeah. Uh, that was unreal. That's a great course. Um, South Africa played at Pearl Valley. Unbelievable course. Where else do I play? I'm trying to think now. You've, you've stumped me here because I've played some pretty good courses. Oh, you can't go past New Zealand courses. Like, I played Paraivi, which is like voted top five courses in the world. That's, uh, I played that three times. The Hills, Millbrook, like, uh, there's some amazing courses. But yeah. Where else have I played? Can't, can't really think. I've played everywhere. Bodie Barrett, like, played with him in, in many courses, especially when you're with the ABs, you know, you get a week off. Uh, you get a day off in, in, the, in, in the middle of the test week, so we play some pretty unreal courses. Yeah. Hey, mate, and just chatting about other sports, so we've actually seen you walk um, Joe Parker out to the ring before. Just tell us about your <laughs> your bromance relationship with um, Big JP. <laughs> Big JP, no, he's a good man, mate. He's um, yeah, he's he's just one of those lads that, you know, what he's done in his career and in his life, he's still genuine and he still catches up, still messages, and he's he's awesome. I've got a lot of time for Joe. He's he's a family man as well, so he's got some three. I think he's got three beautiful kids now. Oh, he's, he doesn't mind mucking around. So um, yeah, like. Uh, uh, he's just a he's just a lad. Like got, got a lot of time for Joe, especially when he's down in Christchurch. Oh, I'm up in Auckland. I'll, I'll get a touch with him and and catch up with him. But um, yeah, he's. I was just very lucky at that time. They, I just bought some tickets to go to his fight, and then they come up to me in the stand. They're like, "Look, do you want to come and walk Joe out?" And I was like, "Oh wow, oh. it'd be unbelievable." So <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah, I felt like a bit of a groupie, you know. But nah, <laughs> it was cool. It was cool. That's cool. Well, that's an interesting uh, question, but um, mentioned before that it, it may have to do with Joe Parker, the, the common friend, but often re- you're often referred to as the Prince of Ponsonby. Is there anything you can talk about and, and how you, you know, <laughs> someone from Hawke's Bay who lives in Christchurch can be a prince of a town? <laughs> Mate, that's a, that's a complete yarn. My wife calls, um, calls me and Kurt, Kurt Gibbons, my good friend from Wellington, but Flash is the king of Auckland at the moment. Um, yeah, <laughs> she, she mocks us because when we get to, when I got to Auckland, me, Kurt, and my, our other mate, Mike Brown, we just get in our car, we just pull, roll into Ponsonby and we just roll around like we own the show. But that's, that's, um, that's Kurt, he's Prince of Ponsonby. I, just, I go up and just, I just hang on, man. I just, uh, but it is, it is good, but I'm glad I don't live in Auckland, mate, because I'll, I'll turn into Hundred percent, the prince wants me, mate. I, just, <laughs> I, I, I call myself a chameleon. You know, I go up there and you get into your nice clothes and you blend in, and you, you have fun and do all that, and then I come back to Christchurch and I chuck my gumboots on with my fishing gear and you know, I like, just yeah. best of both worlds, eh? Nah, that's that's best of both worlds, worlds, bro. But that's good. He's, he's definitely the prince wants me. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with that actually. Hey, Izzy, mate, we'll just move on to your um, All Blacks career, mate. So, debut 2010. What, what are your memories of, actually, your memories of first being named in the ABs? Where were you when you got told? Um, and what I, was were you in, um, I was actually in Gisborne, so, but um, at, at my wife's house, and didn't think I was going to get in. Like, I thought, 
uh, yeah, I might have a chance, but uh, no, nah, I won't get my hopes up. And they actually actually booked bought the rugby channel because it was on the rugby channel back then, just for the naming. I was like, oh, what a waste of money, waste of time. Um, and I was just sitting there, and and then I went through alphabetically order and got to bag and they named the uh and the team. I was blown away, mate, and it was just absolutely surreal to be honest. And um. And next minute, TV3 or TV News are coming over to, to do a little segment on me. And oh, yeah, it, was all, it was all chaos. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, just, it just happened so quick. Like, I got into the AB's camp in New Plymouth. Um, and I was sitting there and thinking, oh, yeah, they might ease me in off the bench or they might give me a run in a couple of weeks or so. And then first week, Mills was injured and I got named to start at fullback. And I was absolutely shitting myself. So... Yeah, it was uh, it was welcome to the big time, Daggy. You were straight in there against Ireland, and it's quite funny. My debut was against Ireland, and Ronan O'Gara was playing that game, and he's our coach down here now. So yeah. I'll give him a bit of stick about that. We I think we pumped them sixty nil too. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Mate, and just over the years, so you, coming into the All Blacks, obviously Mills was there, and um, at the time there was a fair amount of competition. Um, yeah. How did you go from being? Um, Oh, look, not on the outside of being on the All Blacks, but someone to, that is, uh, you know, named in, in every starting 15. How did I go? What do you mean, how did I feel? Uh, so, sorry, 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 how did you become, you know, a, the starting fullback? So you obviously, you pushed your way in, um, you came from the outside, and then you cemented your spot, I suppose, is probably a better better way to phrase it. Um, oh, it's hard to, hard to know, but I guess I was just a young kid that, that loves playing footy and um, just come in and, and followed his instincts and just played and, and just played what he's seen. And oh, it's hard to know because, you know, Mills is a legend and I've got a lot of time for him. And it's actually quite funny. Um, 2017, after the British and Irish Lions test, I was having a yarn with Mills here and I was like saying, oh man, these young kids coming in and taking my bloody position, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, hey, that was you to me, boy. And I was like, oh, it's very true. <laughs> so I guess it, it's just all part and parcel of, of the game, you know. Like, you're going to have young guys coming through and, and that are playing well and, you know, got younger bones, you know, younger bodies that are, can move a little bit better than you. So I guess it's just all part and parcel of professional sport. And, yeah, I was just, I was just lucky enough that, um, I got the opportunity and I was learning from the best in, in Millsy and you know my first week in the team and I was rooming with Mills Mulliaina which was absolutely um, unreal you know like growing up watching Millsy and then being thrown in the same room sleeping with, with him like breathing the same air was pretty awesome yeah and mate second year in the ABs 2011 obviously Rugby World Cup just tell us how special was that time Rugby World Cup in New Zealand oh mate the uh, that's the best memory I've got in my in my mind, bro. Like, it was a pretty whirlwind year, to be honest. Like, I started playing for Crusaders, and I came. I missed the end of year tour for 2010 with a quad, strain my quad. So um, I was a little bit slow at the start of the season. I wasn't playing too well, and yeah, you know, a bit like my whole career, really, of ups and downs. But <laughs> I wasn't playing too well, and then um, I tore my quad off my hip. So snap that about three or four months before the World Cup was named. And I was like, oh, no, game over. Um, but got surgery, uh, rehab well, came black, came back and had two opportunities to cement my time in, in the, uh, cement my spot in the World Cup. And, yeah, played some good rugby. I don't know how it happened, but played two good games and um, got picked. And the rest is history, really. It was an unreal tournament in New Zealand. It was, um, yeah, memories galore, like, Young kid, 22 years old, playing the biggest tournament in the world in your home country. Like, doesn't get any bigger. And to top it off with winning it and, um, you know, playing with some legends of the game was, was pretty surreal and, and a moment that I can cherish forever, really. But, but one thing that really sort of comes to mind is um, the way that you and Corey Jane played during that Rugby World Cup. And a lot of teams yeah. were... We're trying to, <laughs> for multiple reasons, but a lot of teams were kicking to you that they're trying to kick chase. Yeah. You guys got the got the nickname the Bomb Squad. How yeah. did that happen? And is that was that something that you guys went into the tournament knowing that you're going to be prepared for? Oh, for sure. Like you, you're playing for you know Australia, the the Guineas love a box kick, and then 
you know, the Northern teams, the South Africa's, the Lava, the Contestable Kick, and I guess it was, it all comes down to Wayne Smith, really. He he was huge on the bomb squad, and, and what it was, it's just, he named us the bomb squad because we defused their bombs, and, um, you know, we took a lot of pride in, in the high ball, and I think, you know, we, we measured ourselves each week. We put each other under a lot of pressure during the week, training it training under pressure, you know, get in a lot of box kicks, wet, dry ball, whatever, just, just trading all those different scenarios. And, um, yeah, we knew it was coming because we, we'd analysed the teams and, and seen that they love to box kick. And, and it wasn't just us catching as well. You know, you need the guys that are putting the pressure on the kickers to make sure their kicks aren't perfect, you know, making it harder. And then you've got the guys that have to get back and support us. So, like, it was a, it was a huge team effort. But, um, like I said before, it was something that we, we had to pride ourselves on. We knew it was going to go a long way to, to winning the comp. Mate, during that tournament, you had that night out with, um, with CJ and... <laughs> and um, oh, I knew you were going to bring this up. <laughs> I, I want to ask you about what you did, although everyone probably wants to know. No, but, no, no. But yeah. More about how you then go, all right, cool, we made a mistake. Um, yep. And then you guys just sort of obviously just moved on. And so did the team. And the performance yeah. didn't slip. You guys, I think you played that following Sunday or Saturday. It still played pretty well. How was that dealt with in the team? And mentally, how did you deal with it? Um, yeah, like, it wasn't the smartest thing I was ever done. And looking back, like, it was pretty, pretty stupid, to be honest. And, um, yeah, it was just, yeah, one of those things. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll write a book one day and people get all the details. But, um so then they can have a think in their mind. But, you know, we were just dumb, you know. Just There's a lot of, like, one thing I'll say is in the World Cup, every day for eight weeks, there's just constant pressure. And yep. and I guess when you're, when you're young, and, well, Corey wasn't very young back then, but I was young, um, you know, like... It's you playing, kind of just, playing the old fella. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you need a release. And um, we're just, yeah. We were just dumb, obviously, with what Dad was pills and went out and, and did what we did. And, and it wasn't very smart with the timing. Like, middle of the World Cup, quarterfinal against Argentina, like, pretty stupid and pretty selfish, to be honest. I'm, just not, I'm not proud of what I've done. But um, it was dealt with how it was dealt with. The leadership group took us in a meeting, gave us an absolute riffing. Um, you know, just pretty much we, we, we would have got kicked out of the team if it wasn't a World Cup. Um, World Cup, you can't bring players in and out, so that's the whole reason why we were allowed to stay. Um, and I was just really gutted because that week was Mills Mulliana's hundredth game, and and kind of me being selfish, I took that away from him. Like I took the the thoughts, you know, big moment for Millsy playing his hundredth game, and like people were dealing with me and Corey's shit, you know, like it's pretty selfish. That's one thing I wish I could change is, you know, a guy that's played a hundred tests for the All Blacks. And I took that away from him doing that sh- stupid stuff. So, obviously, if you hear this, well, I apologise for that. Generally, like, it was pretty stupid. Um, but I guess for us, I think we just had to perform. Like, there's no ways around it, really. Like, <laughs> we're playing in the World Cup. We've made a mistake. The only way you can earn that respect back and, and the, you know, the trust back from your teammates and your management is to play well. So... CJ played that test against Argentina. He uh, got player of the day, absolutely fronted up, stood up. And then the next week, I played against Australia in the semi final and I got player of the day and he played pretty well as well. So, like, you just have to front up. And, and it's something that I wasn't proud of and I knew. And Arlo, don't. So, I just knew that I had to front up. And um, the only way you can get that trust back, especially Smithy, I remember. Wayne Smith, he was absolutely livid, like gutted, and he's been a big fan and supporter of mine for years. So seeing his face and seeing him thinking and doing what he was doing was actually, um, yeah, I don't want to go, I don't want to make him feel like that ever again. So him, he threw, he actually after that semi final against Australia, he threw a Powerade bottle at me and he said, "Drink it." So I drank it. Like, he's like you're you're lucky. You're lucky you played well, and I was like, oh my god. So like, and then after the after the final, we were best mates. And um, but like I said, just just got to earn that trust back. It's, it's something I'm not proud of for sure. It's a, it's an awesome lesson though for the young fellas that because um, we're all going to make mistakes in life, but it's it, it's what we do post the mistake and how we reacted to it. And as you mentioned, 
uh, you and Corey he took it on the chin and then went and played outstanding footy, you know, and you guys could have <laughs> yeah. absolutely shat the bed. Like, you could have, it could have just destroyed you mentally and you could have yeah. really got the team yeah. out. But the way you guys dealt with it and handled it and then moved forward was fantastic, you know, really. You think about it and, and you, know, you take a step back out of footy, right? Yeah, 100%. Like I said, this is something I'm not proud of. But, you know, everyone makes mistakes. I've made plenty since then as well. So, like, it's just how you bounce back and, um, you know, just keep, just think about how you're going to earn the trust back and earn that respect back. And, and for us, I was a young guy. He was an oldest guy. And the only way we could earn that respect was playing well. So, um, yeah, we, we were lucky. I was very lucky, like... We can. I could never played that harm semi final, like unless Millsy hurt his hand in that quarter final. So um, yeah, hindsight is I've got an opportunity, and I, I repaid the, the team back with um, playing well. And yeah, so there's a lot of learning from that. And mate, looking at the final, obviously you and CJ starting there, um, eight seven win. I've never been so nervous watching a rugby game in my lifetime <laughs> before. <laughs> How was it for you playing? Yeah. Oh mate, it was um, it was crazy, eh? To be honest, that was a crazy day. Like just absolutely. So, oh, I look back in it at, at that day, the the day of the final. It was yeah, I probably got emotionally caught up in it, eh? Like it was just a huge day. People, fans, like the whole night, French fans screaming outside our hotel, and just yeah, like if I could turn back time, I would have probably blanked it out and. Went to sleep, but I probably I couldn't sleep the night before the final. It was crazy. I was I was just over overwhelmed with the big occasion. I was just like, "Oh, this is huge, unreal." Um, and then the game was just like so tight. You know, during the pool game, we smashed them. I scored two tries, and and then you get to the game, you're like, oh my god, this is a bit tense, this is a bit tight. And I guess as a as a team, we probably yeah didn't react. Well, to to what the French were doing, you know, especially with the Haka, they they always do something different to put us off our game. You know, they advanced against the Haka and and did their little flying mighty duck to be whatever they did, um, you know, that to try and take us from our game. And I think it that worked, you know, like that whole game they were in it. They tackled well. They put us under pressure. We're up eight nil, and then they come back and score a try to make it eight seven. And like you know, last ten minutes, um, their number nine had a kick. It looked like for all money it was going over, and it just shades the upright and miss. Like you know, we could have lost. And I was just, yeah, my emotions were, were crazy. I remember CJ looking at me, going, "What's the move?" And I was like, "I don't know, I don't know." You know, so it was, it was just a lot of emotions going through the head and getting a bit lost, but. Nah, was, I'm glad we got there in the end. It's, it's all part of history. And uh, like Smithy, Wayne Smith said the other day, like, no one can take that away from me now. So I'm pumped. I'm happy. Wait, I've got a, actually an interesting one. When old uh, Beaver came on the field, you don't have to answer this honestly. Yeah. We were like, holy shit, here comes our fourth string 10. <laughs> yep. You know, like, how, I, I hope he's going to go okay. Like, was it? Like how confident were you in his ability and fitness at the time to come on and do a job? Um, in all honesty, probably a little bit like yourself, like, oh, far out, here we go. I was going to swear then, but, you know, like, oh, shit, here we go. And, like, he's been, has he done any training and is he going to be up to it? And then he came on, mate, and played like he played, made some breaks, just led the team around. I was like, wow, this guy's this guy on. Like, this is me. Um, so, yeah, I was, I was a bit like everyone and thinking, oh, no, here we go. But, but when he came on and, and played like he played, oh, mate, my my respect just went through the roof for him. Eh? He's, he's, a, he's a legend. I've got a lot of time for Beaver. He's, he's an absolute lad. And, mate, he's made millions off that kick, eh? See, killing it. Mate, that final, how how physical was it? Is that one of the most physical games you've um, you've played in? Mate, absolute physical. I was getting smashed. Like these French were just up for a day, and yeah, that was a tough, tough game. And um, oh, just, just you know, I just got fond memories of that last moment when when uh, Andy kicks it out or whoever kicks it out, and I just jump on Richie, and yeah, just brings back goosebumps to be honest. Um, yeah, 
that was awesome. Just um, taking a step forward, so 2015 obviously missed out on the ABs, but looking at 2016, (laughs) but mate, you had an absolute ripper in 2016, 10 tries I think it was. For me, that's one of your best seasons in the black jersey. Like what what clicked for you so much in 2016? Um, I guess I've spoke to people about it in like 2014, 2015. I probably got a little bit complacent, a little bit comfortable with where I was at and and then I missed the team, and, and um, yeah, that was a big wake-up call for me. And it shouldn't take missing the team and missing to to, to be a wake-up call for me. So I took a lot of learnings out of that. And I guess the biggest thing I've got is, is finding out why I play the game. Like, why do I do this? Why do I do this game? Do I do it for the fans, to make them happy? Do I do it to make the coaches happy? Or do I want to make myself and my family happy? Like, I took a lot of figuring out. And I guess when I got injured against Hawks Bay, um, in the ITM Cup, I dislocated my shoulder. Oh, you know, I think it was the best thing to ever happen to me, um, if I'm going to be completely honest, because I got away from the game for six months, and in that six months, I had an opportunity to fold up, not come back, and just retire. I had an opportunity to get fitter, faster, stronger, and find out why I played the game. And I did the latter. I, I, I took a lot of time away from the game, I trained the house down, I got fitter, I got faster, I, I started enjoying what I do. And then I guess when I came back in 2016, it just all clicked. I found out why I played the game. I played for my family, I played for myself. I don't play for for anyone out there to make them happy, to to, to make the fans or to make get good comments on stuff or, sh- or shit like that, which I used to do all the time. Yeah. I play for my family, I play for, for myself and to make them proud and the ones close to me proud. Um, and I guess when I came back, I just did that, mate. And I started enjoying footy. And like I said, I had a great off-season. I was fitter. I was faster. I was in the game more. I was getting more touches. And then, yeah, the, the 2016, started playing for Crusaders. Was playing awesome. Having a good time with the lads. And then I, mean, I got back in the team, which is, yeah, it was a pretty, pretty surreal moment. It was like I made it again for the first time. And, um, yeah, I look back at that year, and it was the most enjoyable year I've had. For a long time, like you said, I think it was one of my best years for the All Blacks, and mm. and like yeah, I played fullback and then I played wing for the rest of the year, and I loved wing, and um, you know, going out there and just just playing what you see, and yeah, like you said, I just it's one of my most enjoyable years, and I think yeah, like I've told people, I ne- I nearly retired in 2015. I um, I was down, eh? I hate I hated rugby. I was like, I shouldn't feel like this. Like people, I was walking down the street and I look people in the eye, and I'm and I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, he's looking at me, going, "You're a pussy. You're so useless. What are you up to?" Like, and that's how I was feeling. And I was just like, Nah, I shouldn't be feeling like this, man. I'm gonna throw it away. But mm. I just dug deep and um, yeah, bit my tongue and, and just came back and, and found out why I play this game, and, and that's the reason why 2016 was, was the year it was because I just had had a purpose. Can I ask you a really deep question? Um, you say you dug deep, and um, it's a lot, I'm not saying it's a throwaway comment, but um, there's lots of people that struggle to get out of the bed in the morning, and um, they're not All Blacks, or they're you know, just having a tough time in life and jobs. Were there like a couple of little things that you did to help you uh, get through that? Um, and was it seeking help, or writing things down, or reading books, or anything like that? Um. Not it wasn't oh it wasn't seeking help, but it was it was just having that support around you. Like my wife, she's amazing. Um, she's seen me through everything. So for her just to just to tell me and, and friends like you know like I've got my mate Kurt and my good friend Henry Conrad, like just guys that are that are that are close to me and know me. Like just just having that close support network to to get you through those times. And I think it's as men as men we don't talk and we need to talk yeah. because yeah. You can't you can't bottle it up and and do everything on your on your own because it's too hard and it'll weigh you down. So there's one thing I'll say: just talk to people. It's okay to cry. It's okay to share your your feelings with people because they want to help you. And if they don't know, they can't help you. So if there's one thing: just share them. Like I've I've had some moments where I've cried to my best mates and cried to my wife, and I'm like, I don't know. And and for other people out there, they might think I'm a pussy and you're weak, but I don't care. Like people cry and people need to share their emotions and that's one thing I'd say is just just talk like it's okay to talk and, and ask for help like everyone has their vulnerabilities and everyone's 
has your little moments. So just, just let us know and, and, and say if you are, because we want to help. It's the old, old adage, eh? a problem shared is a problem halved, isn't it? 100%, mate. Like, no one no one knows what people are feeling unless you t- talk. So, you know, like you're walking down the street, you walk past people, and on the outside they look happy, it's like the world's at their, you know, they got the world at their feet, like anything's possible. But deep down, everyone's thinking different things. So just talk, lads, and, and women, just, just let it out because... We're we're New Zealand like public and and it's just like a New Zealand way of life. We we're, we're stubborn. We're strong. We we'll be alright. You know, nah, nah. You know, yeah, you won't be alright. So just yeah. talk. Yeah, yeah. No, great message, mate. I'm sure there's um, people listening to this podcast that will really appreciate that and and take it on board. So thanks for sharing that, Izzy. Yeah. No worries. Hey, bro. Um, we've got some fan questions, mate. The questions really poured in, but we'll just run th- uh, through a, a few of them here, um, mate. First yeah, yeah. one is a lad called Brian Gardner, quite a good-looking fella, judging by his profile picture here. He um, asks, <laughs> what, "What did you do with your first ever All Blacks jersey?" What did I do with my first ever All Blacks jersey? Oh, that's a great question. Um, my so our first one, we get two jerseys. So we get one we wear, and then one that we. Um, just another jersey that's got our number and our, our test match on. And my first all-back jersey is framed at home with my mum on her wall uh, with uh, with my first cap, with my cap that you get given. So it's all framed in, at home with mum. And then my older brother, Mahana from Wellington, he was at the game. He comes to my first game. He was my only sibling that was there. He um, he's took, stole my other one. So he's got the other one. <laughs> 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 yeah. The family members have got them all, brother. Awesome. Mate, I've got one from uh, Brett Sibbets from Potadora. He said, can you please give us a rating out of 10 how you would uh, rate your performance in the Air New Zealand safety video? <laughs> oh, going against the latest ones, I think a 9, eh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. If you're going to do a comparison, then yep. I'm with you. <laughs> nah, look, to be honest, that, that, was, uh, that was a backfired one because I was on the Air New Zealand safety video and then the boys were going to the World Cup and I wasn't on the plane. So, <laughs> it all backfired. <laughs> uh, but it was, it was good fun, like I said. Uh, I um, got some free flights and, and things like that. So, nah, the wife was happy. Sure. A, um, Aiden Morrell uh, from Facebook as well asks, uh, please talk us through the match when he scored against South Africa in Soweto where you almost went over the dead ball line. Yeah, what were you thinking, man? Uh, I wasn't thinking anything, to be honest. It was all blank. Um, oh, like I said, I never... Mills Moreno nearly punched me over after that. He was like, don't ever celebrate before you put the ball down. And then Steve Hansen got up in the change and was like, don't ever celebrate before you put the ball down, you idiot. And then... And then I was sitting next to CJ, typical CJ, I was sitting next to CJ, and I was like, bro, what's he on about? I just won the game, bro. I scored the winning try. And then CJ got up, he was like, oh, he just said he won the game. And like, paid me out loud. I was like, bro, what's not me to don't do that? So like, yeah, I just, it was a lot closer than I thought. And, and yeah, imagine if I went dead, I would have been the biggest dick in New Zealand rugby. So, yeah, that's one thing I'll tell the kids is, um, yeah, don't don't celebrate before you put the tro- uh, the ball down because it's um it's not a good look one and yes yeah not not smart. Mate, uh, Stephen Lopetti is asking, what is your favourite country to tour and why? What's my favourite country to tour and why? Ah, oh, mate, we're very lucky. Like I said, I'm very fortunate to be able to travel to some amazing countries and see some amazing things. Um. You can't go past South Africa. We go there quite a few times. Beautiful people, beautiful food, um, nice and cheap. Um, yeah, so like South Africa is very good. But you can't go past Rome, man. Like Rome, Italy, unbelievable. The history there is is crazy. Like you're walking on footpaths that people were walking on thousands of year, years ago. You know, like just the history in Rome and and the beautiful culture and people. It's um, yeah, I'd say I'd say Rome's up there. Dubai, went to Dubai, that was pretty special. Ah, man, there's there's too many to name to be honest. And uh, Delia Wilson asks, who taught you to cook roast lamb? It's our favourite recipe from the New Zealand rugby kitchen book. <laughs> <laughs> um, my, ah, 
myself, really, and my wife. She's and my mum. My mum does an awesome lamb. So like, she yeah, she does the awesome lamb. Bit of rosemary, couple of garlics, put them in it. Yes, yeah, uh, but I'm, I'm pretty handy chef to be honest. <laughs> my wife's laughing at me, goes, "Shut up." <laughs> <laughs> what's your What's your go to in the kitchen, mate? Uh anything meat wise. Oh, I've got a web of charcoal web of barbecue, so oh, I do all my meat on that. So good, bro. Like slow cooked um butterfly chicken, uh the lamb. Yeah. The other day for Arlo's birthday we had a big ham from Peter Tim's glaze, chucked that on there and just absolutely nailed it. Um I just do all the meat, bro, but I love a teriyaki chicken. Teriyaki chicken on rice, that's pretty that's pretty tasty. I'm a bit of a Mexican fan myself. Mm. Hey, uh, where are we going here? Diego. Diego Manuel would like to know who's the player that you feared uh, to tackle the most? <laughs> oh, mate. Well, I've been bumped a few times, so pretty severe. Nah. <laughs> um, <laughs> the bus, nah. Mate, oh, there's, there's heaps, like... Especially when I was playing wing, you know, I was playing against Brian Habana. He was unreal, like, so fast, so strong. Um, you know, anyone with some good feet, really. Yeah. I don't mind going against the forwards because most of them just run straight and you can just hit them high. It's just the guys with the feet, you know. They're going to move sideways and, and they're lightning quick. So, anyone, really. But Xavier or Habana, Brian, he's pretty, he's pretty tough. Yeah. Probably lucky you played with uh, Robbie Fruin for so long. He would have been a hard one to put down, eh? <laughs> yeah, big Bobby, mate. He's, I remember that time he bumped Pity in, in Auckland. That was, that was pretty, that was pretty yeah. awesome. But, mate, he's, uh, yeah, he's a good man. He's actually building at the moment. I caught up with him the other day. Oh. He's coaching out at Sydenham. And, mm. yeah, he's, he's doing very well, Robbie. So it's good to see his transition was, was good. I played club footy against him and he was still at school. He was 16. And we thought, oh, yeah, we'll, um, we'll attack the youngster. <laughs> and he absolutely shredded us and scored three tries. <laughs> and I was like, oh, mate, actually, I'm he's so pretty good. good. Right. <laughs> he's pretty good, mate. And I was so gutted for, his, for what happened with his, um, with his house and his heart. But he's got a big heart. You know, he's so genuine. He likes caring. And, and um, you know, just seeing how he's transitioned, he's got a beautiful family. So, yeah, it's, it's awesome to see that he's, he's doing well. A final fan question here, mate, is from Amy James, and she asks, what advice would you go back and give a young Izzy? Is there anything you'd change? Oh, mate, there's, there's a lot of things I'd change, 100%. Um, that's a great question, and, and I'll have to hang my ego on the hook here. And, and I'd probably just mm, knuckle down a bit more. Like I probably relied a little bit on talent most of, most of the time when I was younger and, and didn't, you know, like just reply. Yeah, like I said, just relied on talent and didn't probably work as hard as I should have and, and you know, work on the little things. And it wasn't until later that I figured out what works for me and what made me um, tick. And, um, you know, I, can't, I don't have any regrets, like I said before, but if I could, I'd, I'd probably, you know, I wish I was a bit more professional a lot earlier. Um, you know, might have gave me a bit, bit longer in the game, I'm unsure. But, yeah, one thing I'd say is just, you know, knuckle down a bit more. Um, you know, I love to have a party and I love to have a few beers. So, just yeah, sometimes when it's picking the right moment to to have those those opportunities and those times would probably be something that I I could tell myself as young as he just to you know knuckle down and yeah, you know, like I said, I have no regrets, but probably that. Mate, and uh, look, moving forward for you in life, what's uh, what's going to be the next chapter for Israel Dag? Oh man, that's, that's a great question. It's unsure. I, like I can't say anything now, but a few things have happened in the last week since I've announced my retirement, and um, you know, it's, it's pretty special and pretty amazing to be honest. Like, like I said, like when I announced it, the messages and the support I got was I was blown away. Like, you kind of forget what you've done in the game and and the people that you've met along the way. So, so getting those messages and and their support was pretty awesome. And and ever since then, a few opportunities have have opened up like I'm going to do a, a bit of radio with um, my good friend Brody Kane and, and, and Fitzy and the hips so I'll get in there and just chip away some mornings and just keep chewing the fat I'm, I'm still involved with the Crusaders and yeah I'm, like I'm unsure what, what's next in line I've got a few things lined up that I'll 
that are pretty pretty awesome, and but I can't say them now. But I've just got to wait. <laughs> so, so branching out from rugby, mate, in terms of the radio, so it's not just rugby, but you may be uh, involved in other facets as well. Yeah, like I've been doing this game for 14 years. You know, I kind of want to branch out and test my brain at something else and, and do something different. And like rugby is always going to be there, and I can I can chat about rugby and, and do those things. But um, yeah, like I said, I've I've got a few things in line that are that are coming up and. It's, it's, it is involved with rugby as well. So, yeah, I'll just, uh, I think it will come out in the next couple of weeks what I'm going to get up to. But, um, yeah, transition's been good so far and I'm just excited for the future. And um, yeah, I'm going to live in Christchurch for the next however long years. I've just bought some land and we're going to build a house here and this is home and, and we love it. Awesome. Mate, has Pity given you the invite to uh, come for a little bit of a, a ticket tour <laughs> and a fish on his TV show? He was actually, I was up in Gisborne on, uh, over Christmas and he was there and he, he did actually tell me to come out, but he's going out to Aerial Reef, which is like two hours on the boat. So I'm like, nah, <laughs> you're all right, bro. I'll, I'm, I'm all for like a 20 minute go get a feed and come home. Like. <laughs> hey, mate, just again, yeah. want to say thank you. Um, I think uh, you mentioned before you wish you'd knuckle down, but uh, we wouldn't have all these amazing stories to talk about. And. Um, <laughs> Yeah. And look, I, look, if I can say anything at the moment, I think the All Blacks are lacking. It is a little bit of uh, a bit of character, uh, or some characters. But yeah. PJ, you know, and, and Ma, we're, we're yeah for a bit of that. So, look, just thank you very much for yeah. Thanks for coming on and talking to us too. And nah, you're, just, cheers, you're an absolute dude. Really appreciate it. No, nah, thanks very much, lads. And I just want to thank everyone that's listening for all the support they've given me over the years, and and also the New Zealand Rugby Union and the New Zealand Rugby community just. I've had an unreal journey and, and it's been awesome being able to reminisce and, and relive those journeys and those moments. So thanks, guys, and just thanks, everyone. Love you. Awesome. Thanks, Izzy, and uh, all the best for the next chapter, mate. Thank you. Cheers, Hove. Thanks, buddy.